If you have your Bibles or the Word of God in some form, please have it in front of you in the book of James. If you are a Christian, then sometime, in some way, somehow, you responded to the grace of God and you said yes to Jesus. He called you to follow him and you said, I will. I will follow you, Lord Jesus, all the days of my life. The question I address to myself, and you can address it to yourself if you want this morning, is how am I getting on? So easy for our mind to be filled with many things, many important things. What about pondering the question, how am I getting on in my life in following the Lord Jesus Christ? Let's just take a moment to reflect on that. Jesus, help us to listen to you this morning. Amen. This is our final sermon in our series on the letter of James. And if James were British, I think he would be a Yorkshireman. Yorkshiremen and women have a reputation for being blunt, for not beating about the bush, not mincing their words, they speak their minds. And James certainly does that. Uh, But let's remember also that God chose James to speak his word in that way to us. God always loves us. And sometimes, often, he speaks to us tenderly. In Isaiah, he says, speak to Jerusalem tenderly. Comfort, comfort my people. And so does James. Time and time again, he refers to his readers as my brothers and sisters. Verse 19, he says, my dear brothers and sisters. He loves the family of God. He has them on his heart and he speaks to them with compassion and passion. God always loves us. But sometimes, love needs to shout. As when a child wanders near the edge of a cliff, a whisper won't do. Love needs to shout. And God's word will take us sometimes by the hand and other times it will poke us incessantly in the ribs. It needs to do that because we can become lazy or sleepy or complacent or indifferent. And much of James is the shout of God's love. A warning, my brothers and sisters, for us to wake up and to listen and pay attention. For instance, James says, beware, beware pride. He refers to this many times because he says God opposes the proud. So if we set our camp in the place of the proud, we make God our enemy. Imagine that. There is a call to walk in humility. He says, watch your tongue. Maybe a small part of the body, but it can be so powerful 
A little spark, he says, can set a whole forest ablaze. A wrong word, an unkind word, an, unwo- uh, an unwise word, a hasty word can damage someone's life. It can ruin your own life. Do not quarrel, he says, brothers and sisters. Do not lie to each other. Do not slander each other. God is one, Father, Son, and Spirit, a, a mystery of love. And we are to express that to the world. James says, don't be like a bloody battlefield where you're all wounding and killing each other. Be the family of God, one in mind and heart and worship. James has a special warning for the rich and perhaps to all of us to be fair and just in our dealings with others especially those less fortunate than ourselves. James warns us not to just listen to God's word, but to obey it. He says, do not boast about what you think you're going to do. I will do this, I will do that. He says, whoa, just pause, come alongside with God and talk to him and plan together. And understand that as you step forward, it's God willing this will happen. God willing that will happen. And James says, be careful that your faith doesn't fall short of good deeds. Look after the orphan and the widow, he says. Have a care for all in need. Do not be foolish, James says, but be wise. Live a wise life. Let's just have a moment's quiet and reflect on what we've heard already. What might God be saying to us? things that James have brought to our attention so powerfully are often not the way of the world, may not be the way of our family or friends or neighbours or colleagues. This is a different path. This is, as Jesus called it, the narrow path, the way of Christ. Therefore, as followers of Jesus, it is the way of the disciples of Christ. And that makes us different. Our birth is different. I don't mean our physical birth, but we have had a birth of the Holy Spirit when we were born again into, or rather out of, the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of God. From darkness into light. We have the gift of eternal life that will go on through death. We are different. Set apart for the glory of God. Our birth is different And our death is different. It holds no fear for the Christian. For there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Death has lost its sting. Death becomes a doorway into the presence of the glory of God. Our birth is different. 
Our death is different, it won't surprise you therefore that in between our lives are to be different as followers of Jesus Christ. In Deuteronomy 14 verse 2, the authorised version of the Bible translates the words this way. God's people are a peculiar people. I just invite you to have a look at the person sat next to you. And just raise your hand if God's word is true. <laughs> Certainly is from where I'm standing. A peculiar people. Well, in more up-to-date language, it means a number of things. It means we are precious to God, that we belong to God, and that we are set apart to serve God. We are peculiar. We are different. We are called to be Christ-like and walk the narrow path. As followers of Jesus, we are called to obey God's word. Jesus did, and we follow him. Jesus knew the scriptures. He loved the scriptures. He listened to them. He studied them. He looked into them intently. He asked questions about them to learn. And he obeyed them. James chapter 1 verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. The world may say, take revenge on your enemies. The Christians are different. We follow Jesus who loved his enemies, who laid down his life for his enemies, who prayed for his enemies, Father, forgive them. We do not take revenge, we offer love. Christians are different. We pray for those who harm us. We do good to those who hate us and blow us up. We do not follow our deceptive hearts. We do not follow the way of the crowd. We follow the word of God. We say no to gossip. We say no to sexual promiscuity. We say no to sleeping together before marriage. We say no to lies. Uh, but it's not primarily about saying no the word of God. It's about saying yes to God. And his way is the path of blessing, the way of abundant life that God wants us to have and to enjoy. The way of obedience, not only the way of blessing, but the way to glorify God, which is why we're here. Christians are called to follow Jesus in a life of obedience to God's word. And Christians are called to follow Jesus in a life of good deeds. Chapter 2, verse 14. 2, 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? And he goes on to speak about caring for those in need. And we follow Jesus who fed the hungry, who cared for the widow and the orphan who gave voice to the voiceless, who sought justice for the oppressed and brought hope and healing to the outcast and to the sick. And Galatians 6 verse 9 says, 
Do not grow weary of doing good. It is always good to do good. And when that good is born of faith, when that good is done in the name of Jesus, then it also results in glory going to God the Father. Just take another moment's quiet to reflect what God may be saying to us. Called to a life of obedience, called to a life of good deeds. Christians are different. We're called to follow Jesus in our speech. Chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. God is slow to anger and quick to bless. Chapter 3, verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in his likeness. We need to be careful how we speak and what we say. Jesus was careful. The Gospels record that his words were amazing. The people were stunned at the things he used to say. His words were wise. At times they were brave. And sometimes before Pilate, his words were very few. At other times, he was silent. He wouldn't cast pearls before swines. His words could admonish, encourage. They always brought light and hope to all who had ears to hear. Jesus spoke honestly. Jesus spoke in love out of a heart of love. We are called to follow Jesus in our speech. Just lead us in a short prayer before we look some more at James. Let's pray. Lord, in your grace and mercy, watch over our lips and guard our mouths. Fill them with wise words, brave words. May our speech be tender, true and kind. Words that build up, that bring hope, light, and love to all. Amen. Christians are called to follow Jesus and live a life of humility. James 4 verse 6. But God gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Verse 10. Humble yourselves therefore before the Lord, and he will lift you up. I found a few words about humility which I'd like to read to you. Different ways of living life. Appetite says... 
Be sensuous. Enjoy yourself. Education says, be resourceful. Expand yourself. Materialism says, be satisfied. Please yourself. Psychology says, be confident. Fulfill yourself. Pride says, be superior. Promote yourself. Humanism says, be capable. Believe in yourself. God says, be wise. Humble yourself. Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing of the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking only to your own interests, but to the interests of others also. In your relationships with one another, have the same mind as Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. A moment's quiet. We are called to live lives of humility. Christians are different. A different birth, a different death, a different life. We are called to follow Jesus. And we said, I will. It means a life of obedience to God's word. A life of good deeds to God's glory. A life of wise and loving words. A life of humility. And a life of wisdom. In Luke chapter 2, we are told how Jesus grew in strength and was filled with wisdom. Jesus always knew what to say often confounding his enemies who tried to trick him. He always knew what to do. And he finished the work that God gave him to do. Jesus lived a wise life, a life of obedience to God, a life of love for God. And that is a wise life. Obedience to God, love for God. 
And James describes, I think, quite beautifully what this wise life is like. Turn to James 3, and I'll read verses 13 to 18. And it's a challenge for me. Is this my life? James 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every kind of evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Some more words that I found that I hope will be helpful. It's from our Father God to you, his child. My precious child, I am in control. I am a sovereign. I am able to make things happen the way I want them to go. Yes, I allow you to make your own choices, and I know you don't fully understand how these ideas can operate side by side. But I am able to work within and around the choices you and others make to cause my ultimate and loving purposes to succeed. You must trust me. Ask me about your choices and plans. My wisdom is yours if you'll ask. James 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. To follow Jesus is to live a life of obedience to God's word, to be filled with good deeds, to be humble and wise in our speech, in all we do and say. And finally, to follow Jesus is to live a life of perseverance in the face of trials and suffering. I have faced a few trials in my life, in particular the illness and death of my wife Helen. And you too have faced trials, and you may be sat here this morning facing some tremendous ones of all sorts. But, and I don't say this lightly, none of us have ever or ever will face the trials and suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ, which were far, far greater. He somehow bore in his flesh as he was crucified on the cross, the sins of the entire world. In his flesh, 
the sins past, present and future. Such suffering was his by choice. Born of his love for the Father and born of his love for you and I. For there was no other way that our sins could be forgiven and we restored as the children of God to a loving heavenly Father. And in his ministry, that path to Calvary, Jesus had many opportunities given to him to turn back. Many temptations designed to turn him back. When he could have refused the cup of suffering. But Jesus persevered in the face of them all. The gospel tells us on one occasion how, having just spoken about the death that awaited him, he set his face as flint toward Jerusalem. He would not be distracted. He would not turn back. He would persevere. James writes in chapter 1, verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. A couple of pages back in our Bibles, in Hebrews 12, I'll read verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. James 1 verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I close with this final true story. <clears throat> in the 1800s, a group of women met to study the Bible in Dublin. They were puzzled by the words of Malachi 3.3 which says, And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. One of the ladies promised to call on a silversmith and report to them what he said on the subject. She went accordingly, and without telling him of her errand, begged to know the process of refining silver, which he fully described to her. But sir, she said, do you sit while the work of refining is going on. Oh yes, madam, the silversmith replied. I must sit with my eye steadily fixed on the furnace. 
For if the time necessary for refining be exceeded in the slightest degree, the silver is sure to be injured. At once she saw the beauty and comfort of the expression, he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. Christ allows his children to be put into the furnace, but he is seated by the side of it. His eye is steadily intent on the work of purifying, and his wisdom and love are both engaged in the best manner for his beloved child. Their trials do not come at random. As the lady was leaving the shop, the silversmith called her back and said he still had further to mention that he only knew when the process of purifying was complete by seeing his own image reflected in the silver. When Christ's image is reflected in us, his work of purifying is accomplished. Amen.